Thank you for tuning into the Healthy Minds Podcast, where we host conversations with people who are really good listeners, and we ask them to share with us. I'm Lucy Caldwell, and I work for the Fairfax County Public Schools. Today, we're here talking with Sharita Crawford. She's a native Arlingtonian, and she's a social worker here with FCPS's Region 3. She's got a BS in Computer Information Systems from Hampton University and an MSW from Howard University. She came to FCPS in 2013 as a social worker at Quander Road School. She's the 2020 recipient of the FCPS Social Work Impact Award and is extraordinarily passionate about mental health, especially amongst youth, and is a strong advocate for her students. Sharita has an interest in data-driven interventions, and she's always looking for creative ways to solve problems. Outside of FCPS, Sharita works at a national anti-sexual violence organization training new employees to work with survivors of sexual violence. That's awesome, Sharita, and I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for inviting me. Sure, especially because it's National Social Worker Month, and this happens to be National Social Worker Week. Yes. So before we get started with you and sort of your role and your stories Mm -hmm. of success here at FCPS, can you tell our listeners what is a social worker? What do they do? And what's the role within Fairfax County Public Schools of a social worker? Yeah, so social workers, it's such a broad term. And I remember when I first decided to go get my MSW, um, I was working at a school in D.C., um, you know, in a community support role. And a student actually told me at that time I was Miss Marshall, but Miss Marshall, you should you should be a social worker. This is some things that my social worker will have, you know, that she'll have me do. So I'm like, oh, I never thought about it. For me, I always thought about social workers as going into the home and removing kids. Like, that was my view of them. Yeah, Um, right. But then when I got into the field, I realized that it's so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the mental health part of it. There's a community support. Um, And social workers really do bring um, a very... Um, a very broad skill set and have an ability to connect on so many different levels. Um, So um, for me, social work um, month and week is, is, it's important because we do a lot of um, thankless work um, and I never look for recognition um, for my work. I do it because I love it and it's from my heart. Um, And really my role within um, FCPS and my role at Quanda, which is the school, the school that I work at, um, for me, my main role is to connect with kids and with families. Like, that's kind of like how, that's like my guiding principle. Yeah. Um, that's what's really important for me is to connect with my students and my families. And when I'm able to connect with them, then I'm able to help them, um, you know, reach their goals and find out what needs they may have. Um, and really on a day-to-day, you know, social workers, they are a part of the IEP process mm-hmm. and, um, and re-evals and all those things that, that we do that kind of everyone knows about, you know, attending the meetings. Um, but we do so much more that many people don't know about. That's what I'm curious about. And how do mm-hmm. social workers, how do they become involved in a student situation or a family situation? Yeah, a lot of times it may be um, just by having that connection and just by kind of 
keeping our eyes open and our ears, you know, kind of to the ground, um, teachers and staff members may kind of recognize something. And I think the most important thing is just to be a part of your community um, because the kids will know who you are. So Mm -hmm. when you're just standing in the hallway or you're attending different classroom presentations or whatever you're doing, just kind of having that presence. Um, But, you know, a lot of times kids will come to our attention. A lot of times by kids themselves, they'll come to us. Um, and sometimes by because they have had a friend that's come and said, oh, no, you can trust Miss Crawford or you yeah. can trust, you know, social worker ABC because they're great. They helped me and say and so they'll come to us um, and, you know, they'll tell us about things that are going on. If they're having problems with something, it could be school related and mm-hmm. outside of school. So our job um, really, you know, a lot of times we are our job really is to help our kids um, be able to focus on school and to get through the school day but a lot of times that means addressing things that are happening outside of school that's right and that's probably what's been pretty difficult during the pandemic hasn't it how have you and your role sort of coped with that lack of you know in-person situation to be able to recognize how 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 did it transfer and what happened during that time that has been very difficult um for especially in 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 our, you know my role as a social worker but for teachers as well just because that like we are trained to to notice nonverbal cues and to really like hone into those things and um by not seeing someone it takes it takes that away from us it's right. kind of like a like a like a sixth sense that we have and it removes that and so we kind of have to tune into other things um and so not having that ability to kind of connect with students who really require that personal connection to gain trust has been difficult. I know that for me, I started sending out like just weekly emails, just, and sometimes kids wouldn't respond. Sort of checking in. Yeah. Just, Hey, this is Ms. Crawford. Just checking in with you guys. Um, You know, just want to see how you're doing, reminding them how they can get in contact with me Um, and just sending emails to parents. um, Hey, this is who I am. I'm here. If you guys need anything, and um, just what, however I can get in front of them, um, you know, virtually, if it's helping them to do something with their schedule, um, I'm always sending a Google link, hey, join me on Google real quick and we'll do this. Yeah. You know, if, if I can connect with them, you know, seeing them face to face instead of over the phone, it at least allows me to put eyes on them and just right. to kind of see. Um, but it has been difficult. Well, how did it go? And what did, what did students tell you? You know, we hear and we've had, you know, wouldn't hearing all year long, yeah. and it's been a year, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that some students are really struggling, mm-hmm. but the others are doing really well. What were the kinds of experiences and things that you heard? Um, a lot of the kids were lonely, especially yeah. um, in the beginning. Um, there was a lot of loneliness yeah. um, and just feeling very isolated. And, um, you know, as time, time kind of went on, you know, I think all of us kind of became somewhat used to that. But the kids really struggle. Some of the kids really struggle with that loneliness. Um, That's so nice that they were able to talk with you about it and have a trusted adult to talk with. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um, And that's, I feel like that's, because I feel like that's really important for kids to have someone they can talk to about that. Um, And because if they're not talking about it and they're not sharing, then I get concerned about how they are, you know, um, how they're processing it. 
Well, I'm curious, what were some of the things that you shared uh, with them? What were some of the strategies you shared? Because, I mean, it does feel like even though we have some students going back to school, Mm -hmm. it's still, you know, there are a lot of mixed messages out there as far as, you know, being with people, not being with people, uh, you know, things you used to do, used to be able to do pre-COVID. So there's still a lot of, you know, uncertainty out there. So what are some of the things that you suggested to students that reached out to you? Yeah. So um, I did um, for some students in particular, I would reach out to the parents just to see how comfortable they felt because I didn't want to guide students in a direction that, you know, that contradicted their parents' you know authority or their yes. feelings about things. So um, I would say, you know, hey, do you feel comfortable having some of their friends come over outside and yeah. you guys like put some chairs, especially earlier on, like in the spring, last spring and in the summer, like, you know, spread some chairs out. Um, and maybe they can come over, um, making sure that they can get some exercise and walk around, um, you know, put their mask on, and just if they can just get a quick walk outside leaving the house. Yeah. Um, because I think for some of, the, some of the kids, especially some of our students who do have anxiety, um, that isolation um, is something that just um, makes the fire worse. Yeah. Um, and so if fear is kind of like, you know, the fuel for that fire with anxiety, then the isolation is the oxygen. It just keeps it going, you know? And so, um, especially for those students, it's even more important that they kind of have some kind of interaction, either having a a planned video chat with a friend or, you know, if they felt comfortable having a friend come outside, if they had the space. Um, Those were some of the things that I did encourage and for them to keep moving and to keep doing and not just to sit in kind of like that isolation. Right. And maybe um, the importance of planning and thinking about things. Yes. What were some examples that um, you made, plans you made or plans you suggested for students? Either one. Yeah. So even early on for me, you know, um, I would have little planned things with our family. We'd have like video calls and we started like chatting and posting pictures of food and like, hey, right. this is what I made today because of course everyone was cooking at home, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was like, you know, I wasn't eating out anymore. Right. And so, you know, I was finding creative ways to connect with my family. And the funny thing is, like, I realized through all of this how much I really missed my family. Yeah. Like I I like took all that for granted. Right. You know, so like I'm like, even right now, I'm like, oh, I cannot wait. Like, I miss hugging my family and spending time and just hanging out. So, yeah, we'd have little video chats, and I thought, you know, I'm not really going to enjoy this. But it really was a highlight, even if it was just for five or ten minutes, just to, like, see everyone's face and talk and laugh. Yeah. Um, And really, you know, virtually just meeting with your family and friends. Um, And some of our kids are already have already been used to meeting with their friends virtually. Right. But when you have that, like, you have, we had an option before. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. that option was kind of removed from us. So for right. those kids who like the interaction, right. you know, that's the struggle. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about the past year mm-hmm. and everything that happened, you yeah. know, and, and all of us, you know, and sort of that, you know, and I truly do look at it as a traumatic experience mm-hmm. for all of us. Some of us lost loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us lost jobs yes. and security in that way. And. Have you seen some of your students go through those things, and did they share some of this with you? And as a social worker, did you feel you had the tools and uh, the connections with Fairfax County or other agencies to be able to help and support students through those times? Yeah, you know, I will say that um, during this pandemic, I have 
been so grateful that I work in a, in a county um, that has the resources that we have because I think um, sometimes like we just think that this is the norm. Yeah. And I soon realized talking to other colleagues and friends who are in the same, who work, you know, who do social work, that that's not the case. Um, and that has been the hardest point, the hardest, one of the hardest parts is feeling like your hands are tied. Um, but there are a lot of resources within this area and in this community that I think, um, and there's there's a huge community and support. Like when kids need things, especially at my school, especially at Quander, the kids, the staff really pulls together to help. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I there has been, um, I have seen a lot of that. Families who have, you know, lost their jobs, have been impacted by COVID. Um, um, and of course, when the when the a parent is impacted, the whole family is impacted, Absolutely. and therefore the child is impacted. Absolutely. And sometimes school is like the last thing that the child is thinking about yeah. um, when they have so much other, so many other things that are going on. Um, but yeah, that has, and I do feel like I've had the tools to help them. Um, and I'm, I am grateful that I do, you know, I work in a county that has the resources and that has, um, that has, you know, that have, and they have invested in, in the students and we have the option to kind of help them and find things, you know, that they can, that they can utilize. Um, but that has been difficult because it's hard to, you know, when someone loses their job, um, especially working in a restaurant or um, in hospitality, um, what do you do? How do you help them? Right. You know, and so, you know, we, we recommend community resources. We continuously will meet with the parents and the families to see, like, what we can do and try to fill in gaps where we can um, and just do the best we can to stay connected and to let them know that we're here for them right. um, to be supportive. Absolutely. Did you find that parents and do you have thoughts about uh, parents sharing difficult situations with their children whether they're young children or teenagers um, what's what's the boundary on that for parents to share you okay. know obviously parents you know students are going to absorb mm -hmm. what's ever going on in the household mm -hmm. but just talk about that for a minute do you mean like it related to COVID or just in general about boundaries and sharing? Well, just I think first with COVID, mm -hmm. you know, because things were so sudden yeah. and so unexpected and so uncertain. Mm -hmm. But then in general, too. Yeah. Because um, we are in the recovery phase, mm -hmm. I, I would say, or at least moving into that recovery phase. And that's going to mean change, too. Yeah. And so, you know, it's going to be, I do think, you know, there have been opportunities that this is revealed, you know, on the bright side, the mm -hmm. silver lining. But. But in just thinking about, you know, people listening here, mm -hmm. um, you know, how do you suggest that parents, how much to share, mm -hmm. not to share, and how to share yeah. with their students, the struggles they're experiencing? So I think, um, of course, it depends on each child and parents kind of, you know, know their child's personality best and um, the age group. So I have, I, you know, of course, I work with high school students and that's... I've, that's kind of like my, that's my kind of like sweet spot, like, right. you know, um, high school students. And they're older and they, um, they do, they, they know what's going on, their own social media. And so I think um, the one thing that parents should do is to, or they shouldn't do, I should say, is to live in, it's kind of like live in that denial state. Yeah. And like, so well, we're not going to say or do anything. Right. Um, I think allowing like having like purposeful conversation with kids mm -hmm. about things like things that are going on, like, hey, you know, um, this I heard this on the news today or maybe even watching the news together. Um, not too much of it, but, you know, because the kids, they, they know what's going on and opening up that dialogue and just allowing kids to talk. And a lot of times, 
um, as parents, you'll just realize, like, wow, like, they have so much to say about this. Yeah. Um, and just allowing them to have that that dialogue, which, you know, of course, uh, it builds that relationship with the parents. Um, and so allowing them to just have a space to talk about that, I think, is good. Um, and so, you know, with younger kids, you have to really, you know, um, put things in perspective and, and kind of put things on their level right. um, and you don't want it you don't want things to be too fearful for them but you have to address if you have family members that you've lost due to COVID or you know um, those are real things that that have to be addressed and sometimes kids have real fear about losing their own family members right. you know like oh I'm afraid you know if we leave the house you may get COVID and die because auntie so-and-so died um, and so I think addressing that you know and saying you know I really hope that doesn't happen to me, and I, yeah, I don't think it will. But I think we can go out here, and we can still be safe. Mm-hmm. Let's let's develop a plan so we can still be safe together. Um, but you don't really want to encourage the fear right. too much, but you want to explore in the way so that the child doesn't become too fearful right. over time. But yeah, I think it's just important to have a space, a purposeful space, to have those conversations. Did you experience that with your students? Were they afraid? Yes, um, some students were, especially students who kind of have that anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, about things. Um, they were afraid, especially if they live in a in a household where they have a family member who um, was in a risk category. Mm-hmm. There was some fear, um, and and especially in the beginning when um, the news briefings and you know, was so much going on. Everything right. was COVID all the time. Right. Um, yes, there was some fear. So. Um, you know, the thing is not to, and, you know, I would, you know, offer some mindfulness for people, for some students and for parents to just practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of be really intentional about, like, how you're feeling internally, what's going around outside of you and how that's making you feel. And to just kind of, like, observe it and, you know, to just um, not, like, push it away, but just be very, like, aware of what's going on and to take a moment and take a deep breath and to, you know, just kind of to process it. Um, and so... You know, it's at the time, you know, a lot of people weren't doing counseling sessions in person. Right. So, you know, we, you know, of course, we'd, we have some students who have therapists on the outside and but they like the connection in person. And so um, just trying to encourage those students to still stay engaged with their therapy if they are involved in therapy. How are those students doing now? So I think that students have some students have gotten used to it. And I yeah. see some students are doing better um, in terms of you know, with, with their mood now that we're back in school and the routine, right? Because that's like the most important thing. Like, you know, living in your pajamas 24 hours a day, you know, you're in front of the computer, you know, as a student and, you know, you're in your PJs. But that routine of like getting up, taking a shower, brushing your teeth, you know, waiting for the bus, that has really helped with some of our students. Um, And naturally it's gonna, you know, it it will help with some of our students in terms of their mood and things like that. Mm -hmm. Just kind of getting in the routine of getting out and just seeing people, Mm -hmm. you know, um, seeing, you know, your teachers that you missed and that you didn't actually realize you missed them or, you know, um, some students that you haven't seen in a while in person. Um, So I think that um, the in-person part of this is, is helping some of our students. And I also think that for some of our students, it's scary. Yeah. And I it's acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah. I you know, I acknowledge that. I never want to not acknowledge that with students. Um and you know, I acknowledge that they're, you know, they're brave, you know, for coming in even though they have these feelings. So, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I feel like um 
you know, I've, I sort of went down this this road of mm-hmm. talking about the pandemic, but mm-hmm. you know, throughout this year, and I think it's it's kind of appropriate because we lived through this year, mm-hmm. and we all did support each other um, with work mm-hmm. and making sure that the students had what they needed. Yes, and I think that was you know in communications world where where I happen to work, mm-hmm. um, it really was you know every day thinking about those students all across Fairfax County Public Schools. Mm -hmm. What do they need and how can we help them? Mm -hmm. How can we help those families? And now here we are, you know, going back into school. Mm -hmm. Um, The summer plans are being made now. Mm -hmm. We'll be talking about those in the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. And looking at the fall and how does that look? You know, most of the staff are being vaccinated, either have been or in the process of it. Mm -hmm. So, what are your thoughts about that and about that hope? And what kinds of things do, would you advise that here at Fairfax County Public Schools that we share with our students and with our families? Yeah, I think um, that we should be very purposeful about um, bringing kids in, especially those kids who, because right, not all kids are going to need, uh, are going to struggle with the transition. You know, some kids will just fall back in naturally and it'll be okay and it'll, they'll pick right back up. Kids are naturally more resilient than adults, you know. Yes. They can adjust a lot easier yes. than we can. Um, but I, I think for those, like, tuning in and finding a way to tune into those kids who are going to need the extra help. And, you know, I'm of course, I'm at a smaller school and that's something that I know that we can do easier at our school. But finding a way and developing a plan to, to get those kids who are really going to need that help um, and coming in, and even with parents, like, um, you know, for students who may have some fear around it or just kind of or who are uneasy about coming back to school, like I said earlier, starting with the routines, like helping them get back into the routines, even if they still are doing distance learning now, mm-hmm. um, virtual learning now, helping them get back into those routines. And for some of those kids, maybe who have that anxiety about coming back into the building right. and, um, you know, just getting them more comfortable, like even driving to the parking lot mm-hmm. of the school. Good, good suggestion. Yeah, and just sitting in the parking lot and then just observing, like, okay, so how are you feeling right now? Like, you know, are you a little nervous? Like just allowing that space and um, t- doing small things to kind of help them get acclimated because if you're fearful just to kind of throw somebody, like just like pushing somebody into a pool right. who doesn't know how to swim. Right. You know, sometimes you got to like put your little toe in and dip it in a little bit, then your foot. And so just, um, you know, the grace that we ask parents to give to us is the same grace that we need to offer to our families and to our students as well. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be, it may be difficult for some students, and I think we need to allow that transition and make sure that students know that there's someone they can talk to. Um, I think that's the most important thing, is that students know who they can go to when they need help. That's yeah. really good advice. Do you have any other thoughts about um, the transition and coming back? here um, in the next few weeks or even the summer and what does summer look like for you yeah so summer um, for social workers is um, we still we're still here working that's right (laughs) we're always here 12 uh, months long yeah we're yeah we're uh, we're 11 months so we're always here but you know um, I'm and some are 12 months we do have some 12 month social workers so yeah we definitely Mm -hmm. are always here um and it looks different. Like we are, you know, we do different things. Some of us are involved in ESY, which is extended school year. Some of us are um, involved um, 
with uh, doing testing during the summer and parent clinic and things like that. Um, and so um, I, I'm assuming that those things will probably continue. We had ESY last year, and we did summer things last year. It was virtually. So it'll be a little bit different, you know. But um, the good thing is we're already kind of in that space now where students are coming into the building. Yeah. Um, and so and you said in terms of, like, having, a like, an idea of transitioning um, for, for some students who are coming back into the building. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... For me, I just, I really think about, and I'm also trying to think about the larger schools who have, you know, a thousand kids, for example, you know, Um, and I don't know, you know, what's possible. I never want to speak for a particular school or program, but um, maybe if there's a space for, or a day for students to come in just to kind of walk the hallways, Mm -hmm. especially for those students who have never been into the building, right? Because we have students like the fr- the current freshmen right. who've never been into the high school, yeah. you know, especially if they're can, if they're still on virtual learning right now, but having like that space for them to kind of come in um, in a safe way to kind of walk around the building and become more familiar with it and become because those students like I I kind of keep going back to the anxiety piece because a lot of people um, a lot of people have anxiety about returning, you know, yeah. even adults have anxiety about returning to the building, right? And so students have that too. And so allowing them a safe space to explore, you know, to kind of like get those feelings kind of processed, I think Mm -hmm. is important. And if there are, you know, if there's a window where students can kind of feel comfortable coming back to the building, walking around before school starts and just kind of that may help to kind of ease some of the fear. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the fear is what drives the anxiety. Like maybe some, maybe that can kind of help. And, yeah, and everybody spent the last year being afraid. So I Absolutely. do think I agree with you. It sounds like just having those intentional conversations. Yes. Are there resources that you would direct parents to or teachers even who might be listening? Yeah, I mean, come I, to mind. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, it's funny. It's like, you know, kind of funny. I'm saying this, but reaching out to your to the school social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really is really should be your first stop. If you kind of are in the space, you're like, I don't know what to do. Right. Um, or the school, or you or the school see psychologist. And you're not sure about it. Yes, because our school so, psych, um, psychologists and our school social workers, you know, the we kind of comprise our clinical team and our, the school counselors at some of the schools. They have, we have such a vast, uh, we have so much knowledge um, about so many different things. And so if you're concerned, and sometimes like you don't even know, like I don't even know where to start. Um, just having that conversation with with the school social worker and saying, "Hey, like I have all this stuff going on, I what's available for me? Like, how can I get help? Yeah. Because sometimes parents need help and support in order to be, you know, a, a better parent or more effective parent. Or right. they need they, you know, no one's perfect, and we all need help doing things. Right. And so I think reaching out because our role is to help, and it's without judgment. Yeah. You know, um, that's one thing that I love about, about my profession is that. I'm always very intentional about um, not being judgmental and not, you know, and and with helping my families. I want my families to feel comfortable. And if they feel like I'm judging them, they won't seek out help and they won't trust me. Right. And so I think that, um, you know, coming to your school social worker and just kind of um, or your school clinician, you know, at your school and just finding out like what they can do to help. because we have so many community resources that we can refer them to. I mean, and, you know, when we sit down and have a conversation with parents, we can kind of find out, um, we can kind of individualize it more, yeah. you know, and find out what type of 
um, family situation is going on, you know, what does your student like to do? Because some students, you know, are not, they don't like traditional therapy. Right. And so if you have a kid who is really into animals, Mm -hmm. you know, we could suggest or talk about, you know, equine therapy or, you know, working with um, with dogs or, you know, there's other things that, you know, we can do for families who may not necessarily want to go a more traditional route. So it sounds like you and your team provide that support and are a first step just to help a parent to help their own child. Yes. And uh, that's amazing. Yes. Thank you for what you're doing oh, every thank day. You. Thanks. And we're looking forward to talking with you again and seeing how it's going yes. as the year progresses 2021 and into 2022. Yes. Hard to believe. But thank you again for being here and happy Social Worker Week and Month. Thank you. And we appreciate it and we appreciate everything you're doing. Thanks so much for the invite. I'm really glad I was here and able to talk with you today and with all of you families who are listening today. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Do you have a topic you'd like Healthy Minds podcast to explore? Please let us know. Send your suggestions to healthyminds at fcps.org.